Well, welcome and good morning. And the Lord be with you. And grace and peace to us all in the name of Christ our Lord, who calls us to this Epiphany Sunday, this time of worship, this beginning of a new year. It is a joy to be with each of you as we gather and share in this time of worship. Thank you for sharing in this time of worship at First Church this morning. Uh, our guests, our visitors especially, bless us, and we pray this is a blessed time for us all as we gather for worship. And just a reminder that in your pews, you should find a registration pad. We invite you to sign that uh, at some point because it helps us to know of you sharing in worship at First Church this morning. We do gather on Epiphany Sunday. That's January the 6th is always Epiphany. It's not always a Sunday, uh, but today it is. And I think that adds special importance to our time of worship. And I'm excited to share in the proclamation of the word, the visit of the wise men, of the Christ child, and also to know his presence as we gather at table. As we go into this new year, remember the opportunities that are before us. We continue with our donuts on the corner ministry tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock, out here at the traffic light. Uh, it's been a wonderful ministry in which we share and invite you to volunteer to be a part of that uh, as we just greet our neighbors with a gesture of hospitality and blessing to begin their day. Uh, again, that's tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Staff Parish will meet on Tuesday evening, our missions committee on Wednesday evening. And note again, the women's Bible study will not take place this coming Tuesday, but will resume on the 15th. Again, we share in the story of the visit of the wise men. As Matthew presents that to us, we note, see that noted by way of our bulletin cover. And I'll invite us at this time to prepare to worship God together. <coughs>
I invite us to stand as we share in our call to worship. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Light dawns for the righteous, and a joy for the upright in heart. From the rising of the sun to the setting, the name of the Lord is to be
go to God as we pray. And our prayer for this time of worship remembers the celebration of Epiphany. It is number 255 in our hymnals. It is also before us. Let us go to God as we pray. O God, you made of one blood all nations, and by a star in the east revealed to all peoples him whose name is Emmanuel. Enable us to know your presence with us, so to proclaim his unsearchable riches, that all may come to his light and bow before the brightness of his rising, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. vacation. My thanks to Sarah Whitmore for her leadership last Sunday, uh, and just a, a word to, that it's good to be with you again in this new year. We share the word of God as it comes to us from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. It is Matthew's account of the visit of the wise men, the visit of the Christ child. First we pray. 
Lord, we pray that in this time of worship, as we hear these words we've heard before, that we would hear them anew, that your spirit would be at work in the proclamation of your word, that we would respond in faith and obedience, feeding upon your word this day and always. Amen. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will govern my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and ascertained from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. When they had heard the king, they went their way. And lo, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the word of our Lord. We stand as we sing.
So the word for this morning is the word xenophobia. Perhaps not what you're expecting this morning, but the word is xenophobia. Xenophobia, in case we do not know, is the fear of strangers. Xenos is a word coming to us from the Greek language, the language of the New Testament. It is the word interpreted stranger. Phobia, I believe we know already, is the Greek word for fear. Xenophobia, fear of strangers. Back in the 1990s, when then French President Francois Mitterrand was asked what he believed to be the greatest threat to the French nation, answered that the greatest threat to the people of France was the threat of xenophobia. In other words, said Mitterrand, the greatest threat to his citizens was their fear of strangers. Just last Wednesday, the president of Greece, Procopius Papopoulos, how'd I do? Did it sound good? Okay. The president of Greece granted Greek citizenship to three migrant fishermen. These three migrant fishermen had acted heroically so as to rescue persons fleeing disastrous wildfires in the resort area of Mati late last July. Pavlopoulos said the three fishermen, two originally from Egypt and the third from Albania, served as a shining example through their self-sacrifice for certain European nations. Let certain partners realize that to be European is a great honor, but also comes with responsibilities, the president said, sending a message ahead of European elections against the forces of populism and xenophobia. Greek's interior minister, Alexis Karitsis, noted the gratitude owed these three fishermen who alongside Greek colleagues helped rescue dozens of people. He stressed that their actions highlighted the value of solidarity at a time when voices of intolerance and xenophobia were being raised in Europe. This topic of xenophobia, conversation about migrants, it's not a topic of conversation only in Europe, is it? Immigration, our attitude toward those who wish to enter the United States from other nations, a caravan making its way through Mexico, debate about the building of a wall on the southern border. This is not just conversation for Europe, but for those of us in the United States as well. This xenophobia, fear of strangers, what may be a troubling topic to those of us who claim to follow Jesus on this day of Epiphany, this day in which we remember how the one born to save God's people is made manifest to all peoples. Because it appears from the witness of Scripture, our treatment of the stranger says much of the nature of our faith. It appears from Scripture, our treatment of the stranger says much of the nature of our relationship to Jesus Christ. The story of these wise men searching for the King of the Jews. Why? Because they wanted to worship him. Well, it's a familiar and beloved story, story captured in art and song. 
We recall the devotion of these regal magi, attentive to the providential guidance of a brilliant star, presenting their gifts to the newborn king. There is much to admire about these royal visitors. These men, Matthew makes sure to tell us, travel from the east. That is to say, these men came from a distant land. They are not of the people of God. They are not of God's covenant. There is much indicating they do not belong here. They are not of the chosen, these foreigners, these strangers, who Matthew makes sure to include early in the good news about Jesus, these strangers who rightly worship Jesus. But if we are attentive to Scripture, we notice there is great conversation about the relationship between the people of God and the stranger long before the birth of Jesus. This matter of the relationship of God's people and those known as strangers is a vital issue of faith from the earliest days of this faith. Remember from the book of Genesis, Abraham, the one with whom God initiates covenant so as to bless all nations of the earth, is visited by three strangers. Abraham did not seek the presence of these strangers. There is nothing telling us Abraham was happy about the unannounced visit of these strangers. Still, we notice the presence of these strangers does not elicit from Abraham a response of rejection. Abraham does not shut the door on these three gentlemen. He does not hide, hoping they will go away. Instead, what does Abraham say to his wife, Sarah, as he sees these three strangers at his home? Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes. In other words, Sarah, we have company for dinner, set three extra places. The book of Exodus tells God's people more than once, you shall not wrong a stranger or oppress him because you were strangers in Egypt. As Matthew begins his gospel by bringing these stories into his story, his strangers into his story of Jesus, Matthew will then draw near the conclusion of his gospel with a powerful witness about the relationship of those who follow Jesus toward the stranger. Toward this conclusion, Jesus speaks his final words prior to his suffering and death. They are words spoken in a setting much like that of a, a courtroom trial. It's the setting in which the Son of Man comes in his glory and his angels with him as he sits on his glorious throne. Before him are gathered all nations. And he separates them from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he places the sheep at his right hand, but the goats at his left. To those at his right hand, the Son of Man says, Come, O blessed of my Father. 
inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. Not exactly a blessing of xenophobia, this fear of strangers, the fear of those unlike us. The story of the visit of the newborn king by these alien, foreign, strange visitors from a distant land is not the sweet and innocent story we believed it to be. Makes it all the more impressive that Matthew, when writing his gospel, given the option of leaving this story out of his gospel, made the decision, this story is at the heart of the gospel. Now throughout my ministry, I've enjoyed being in a great number of small group studies of various shape, size, duration. But in recent years, participating in these studies, I have grown more sensitive to the ways in which we often speak about us and the ways we speak of them. Of course, we are generally clear about who we are, whom we belong to, what we believe. The them, on the other hand, well, they can be those of a different faith, different color, those of a different political party, those of a different nation, those of different sexual orientation. Now, it is true. It is true. Any language is imperfect and limited. And there are those times we may find few, if any, options by which to speak of our relationship with others. I also know very well that when we speak of us and them, we are not necessarily speaking with any measure of malice or ill will toward them. Still, there are those times when I listen in on these conversations and participate in these conversations, when we may speak of the them, and I feel the distance, the disconnect. There are those times when I feel some sense of judgment, the putting of the other in a box. I feel the establishing of a, a fence, a wall, between us and to them we may not know. Those whom we may have little interest in getting to know. Those toward we, whom we may have some measure of fear. Now all of this comes to mind as we look toward the called session of the General Conference of the United Methodist Church to take place in St. Louis in just over a month. We know the main topic of debate anticipated for general conference is in regard to the language of the United Methodist Church Book of Discipline addressing human sexuality. I know that we approach this general conference with no small measure of fear and anxiety. We worry about the future of the United Methodist Church, how united the United Methodist Church may remain. Such fear and anxiety remain despite the refrain of scripture, a refrain spoken with urgency this time of year, fear not. Still, we 
fear. And I do not know if this scripture is of help as we approach this general conference. I'd like to believe it is of help. I'd like to believe these words about the welcoming of the stranger, the alien, these foreigners who in many ways do not belong within the story of the birth of Jesus the Savior, are words that serve as a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. I'd like to believe these words speaking of how these strangers find a place in the company of God's Savior and find a place at God's table are words reducing anxiety and fear. I'd like to believe the story of these magi who in many ways do not belong within the story of Jesus, yet are included from the beginning, is a story guiding and comforting us as we approach General Conference. I'd like to believe this story helps rid the people of God of any and all xenophobia. Then may we find our places, then may we find ourselves at that place where we fear the stranger no more, knowing that all are to find their place within the company of the one whom God sends for the blessing and salvation of all. I invite us to respond to the word as we affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed, which is before us, also number 881 in our hymnals. I invite us to stand. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered in Pontius Pilate, was crucified and dead in the grave. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the wicked and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, We are called to be those who pray without ceasing, those who ask and seek and knock, trusting in the faithful response of God. So we go to, go to God as we pray. We share in the prayers of the people. This is a responsive time of prayer in which I will speak various petitions. Concluding each of the petitions with the word, Lord, in your mercy, I invite from you the response to hear our prayer. I also invite you to name those concerns, those persons or circumstances you would like to speak as we share together in the time of prayer as this community of faith. Let us pray.
Lord, though we at times create distance between ourselves and you, you are a God who continues to seek us, to search for us, to find us, to claim us as your own. Even when we are those who have made ourselves strangers, you are a God who draws us into your loving embrace, a God who will not let us go, a God never giving up on us. We thank you, Lord, for this witness, this good news you entrust to us. And may it be a witness guiding us, shaping our lives as we seek to live in faithful obedience to you, especially in this new year, which is your gift to us. Lord, in your mercy, and hear us, Lord, as we pray for the people of this congregation. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for those who suffer and those in trouble. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for the concerns of this local community. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for the world, its peoples, and its leaders. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for your church, its leaders, its members, and its mission. Lord, in your mercy. Bishop Lewis, Janine Howard, Ministries of First Church, General Conference. Lord, in your mercy, and hear our prayers joined with those of your saints, surrounding us in this time of worship, joining us at your table. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Christ, our Lord, invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Our prayer of confession is before us, also in our bulletins. We go to God as we pray. Gracious, Gracious God, God, we, we would like to be among those who saw the coming of the Christ child those who dropped all that they were doing and traveled to worship the coming of God's love into this world. And yet, merciful God, we must recognize all the times we are more like Herod, whenever we, in our actions or in our inactions, find our own need for control more compelling than the needs of others for health and safety. 
Loving God, we confess our sins against you and one another, and pray that you will fill us with your light, that we may live our lives as true disciples in your name, without counting the cost. In the name of Christ, the one who showed us the way, we pray. Amen. Hear this good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. And let us welcome one another as we share in the passing of the peace. We prepare to worship God with his tithes and our offerings as our ushers prepare to come forward. still that your love for us is so deep that you give to us all things, even your own son, and you give to us this opportunity to know you and to worship you through the offering of these gifts. For this we give you thanks, receive these gifts we pray, and in your care may they accomplish much for the gospel of Christ. Amen.
table is set. Jesus has said, do this in remembrance of me. So we remember, and we obey, and we find a place for ourselves at the table of our Lord. We are invited to share in the great thanksgiving. As we do so, you will note that there are three responses that you are invited to offer. These will be sung responses, and as we come to those responses, the choir will lead us in each response. The prayer of great thanksgiving, as I offer it, will differ slightly from the wording that you find on page 9, beginning in the hymnals, uh, because it is wording specific to this time of Epiphany. But again, your responses are the same. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and a joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, brought us to a land that was our gift from you. You raised us up, making us a light to the nations that they might behold your glory. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn, Blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. So important was his birth to all the world that visitors came from afar bearing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, 
we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. gathered here, and on these gifts of bread and wine, make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory, and we feast at the heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and to deliver us from evil, for the dying, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Because there is one loaf. We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. This is the Lord's table, and he invites each of you to find your place at this table. As you do so, you are invited to remember the mission ministries of the church. We have the mission boxes before us. And again, on the first Sunday of each month, as we receive the Lord's Supper, you're invited to support the mission ministries of the church by way of your contributions to these boxes. Our ushers will lead you down the center aisle. There will be two stations here. You will receive a portion of the bread. You're invited to dip that bread into the cup that will be held before you. And as you feel that, feel free for a time of prayer here at the communion rail. Again, we invite you to come to the table of our Lord. Our choir will come first. We conclude with a prayer that is found on page 11 and on the bottom of the page in dark print. It is also before us. Let us conclude the great thanksgiving with this prayer. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world 
the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And we sing. have a story to tell. We have a light to shine in dark places. We have good news to share with all God's people, and we go in peace. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Wednesday. Wednesday at seven. We are on.